Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can some cryptids or creatures unknown to science talk? Could space aliens be us from the future? Should you believe something a ghost tells you? Hello and welcome to the 699th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on ON 1240 Radio, uh, celebrating 70 years of broadcasting here in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. I'm Ben, and those questions within questions within questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and father, Paul. And uh, today we bring you an open line show to try and answer your questions about pretty much any paranormal subject and it spans the pantheon of paranormal subjects and uh, to uh, help us with that today we have uh, our esteemed colleague Shane Searway. Hello, we welcome your calls and emails today. It's 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada and it's paul at behindtheparanormal.com for emails. So let's do it gentlemen. Let the games begin. Okay, we have... Th- th- this is kind of by way of Dave Schrader from Beyond the Darkness Radio, uh, which I was on. W- you w- Were you on, too? I, the last one? Maybe. We're, we're on so many shows, I don't know. I lost track, but so, I probably uh, was on that, yeah. We were discussing our new book, uh, which is Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. I like to refer to it as Behind the Paranormal 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, why didn't we think of that? That's great. We'll, because we'll it's very cliche. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, Dave passed on a note from Matt from Ohio who listened to that show, and he had a question. Uh, and here is his question. Uh, Dave, as an avid sci... I'm sorry, you should read this. Yeah, I okay, should be reading Sorry about this. that. Keeping, I'm so excited. my job. So Matt from Ohio uh, writes to us via Dave Schrader. Dave, uh, as an avid science fiction and fantasy novel fan, I feel it necessary to point something out. Your guest spoke about a story surrounding a man who observed a canine cryptid uh, that uttered the words uh, Gadara. Uh, I believe that someone was pulling his leg. I know that uh, that's a bold claim, but hear me out. There's a fantasy series of novels by Jim Butcher uh, called the Codex Alera. Uh, in this series, a race of bipedal canine warriors known as a uh, canem. Uh, well, thank you, Josh. And, uh, they they would have a, a word in their language uh, for a respected enemy or trusted enemy, and uh, that word is Gadara. I couldn't uh, let this go unsaid, as I thought uh, the coincidence was far too unlikely. Uh, I have no intention of trying to discredit anyone or try to humiliate anyone. However, it's a book series that not many uh, who I have interacted with know about, and I just felt that someone uh, was trying to pull one over on your on your guest. Uh, best wishes to you and Tim, uh, Matt from Ohio. Okay, now my now we appreciate criticism, and I had a nice uh, email exchange with Matt, and and I said that uh, you know please do not feel that were in any way offended. However, I did respond that this Gadara incident came from 1936. Okay. And this is in the uh, what Linda Godfrey, our good friend, will be with us next week on our 700th show, uh, what would call the uh, Jefferson County Square of Weirdness. It's a 13-square-mile area and includes the Beast of Bray Road and a lot of other headliners like that. Uh, and it's very Lovecraftian, almost. Very much. And Linda is someone we know very well. We trust her. She's been on the show many times over the years, and uh, she is probably one of the most distinguished cryptid researchers in America. And she, if she says this occurred, that's good enough for us. So 
given the fact that this occurred in 1936, this Gadara incident, and uh, the, the word came from the cryptid, because uh, cryptid, of course, as we say, is a creature unknown to science, a dog-like one that stood up. It was six to seven feet tall, according to the eyewitness who was a security guard, and it was digging in a an old burial mound, a uh, native burial mound, stood up, looked at him, and, and said in a very guttural voice something that sounded like Gadara. And th- this is in our book, and uh, I mentioned the only term Gadara reminded me of was the thing from the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus casts the demons out of a guy and they go into this this bunch of pigs and they run down and drown themselves in the uh, water. Uh, but interestingly enough, that's 30 miles in the water, so I don't know really what happened, but that's where the word Gadara came from. It was so the, the country of the Gadarenes. So the, the incident itself took place far before this book was written. Long before this book was written, and uh, the author, Mr. Butcher, is from the Midwest. This story has been floating around the Midwest for 60 or 70 or 80 years, and so I think it's much more likely that rather than anybody pulling our leg, that the uh, the term originated in 1936 and was picked up by the Midwestern author, which is perfectly legitimate and put in the story. So mm-hmm. that's my theory anyway. It's no big deal. But um, we always appreciate criticism, but th- that would be my response. Shane, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. No, but I do have something to add because because of our trip to Pennsylvania that we'll, uh, we'll be doing soon. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we don't want to tell people exactly what. No, <laughs> but um, there was a report that just came out yesterday, um, and it was an upright canine encounter, Bald Eagle State Forest in Pennsylvania. Um and let's see here. Let me scroll down. Uh, a large wolf-like head with short pointed ears, long muscular human-like hands, massive chest, and very thin around the waistline, muscular legs, and from the knees down what looked like dog's hind legs. Um, there was two witnesses to this. It was about 11 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so broad daylight, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So that just... Uh, that's pretty amazing. They have, that's one thing we haven't run into in the Pennsylvania triangle yet however there have been a lot of reports um as a matter of fact i was talking with linda godfrey about some of those reports uh recently and they uh, they did occur in that vicinity so maybe we'll i don't know if you can call it get lucky but <laughs> let's see what happens when we're down there now is it me or does it seem like it's it's being that there's more sightings of this than before or maybe people feel less crazy about it mm-hmm. and they're coming forward it just seems weird that, like, you know, you, you don't really hear much about this stuff before. I mean, you heard, like, tales and legends and myths and stuff about werewolves and all that. But now it seems like people are reporting them left and right. Now, and maybe, maybe people are just, maybe it's mass hysteria. Maybe not. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, uh, that, that's a good point. Uh, I like see what you did there with the tales. I like that. That's a good mm, point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the information flow today is massive. And... Uh, you can find anything on the internet. I, I don't know what you think, Shane, but I think people are more apt to talk about this than they used to be. I remember when I was a kid, which is a very long time ago, that people were uh, very, very reticent about this sort of thing. And However, when, when we would sit around in a group, I would always sit with the adults. Uh, people would come over to our house like after church and stuff, and they were all good friends. Once in a great while, somebody would come up, gee, I had this really strange dream, or I heard this from someone who heard it from someone else about, um, no cryptids, but a ghost or, or uh, some kind of creature or something, or something really strange that happened. And people would be absolutely enraptured listening to that story. Uh, but it didn't happen very often. But now I think maybe um, with the information flow, 
we're hearing more about these things. There may not be more instances than there used to, mm. but we're hearing more about it. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, definitely agree with that. But I do, I do feel like it, there is more going on. I think things have been changing, and uh, I think there's there's definitely more weird things happening. Um, and but I do I do believe that you know people are more open now, more apt to talk about it, more comfortable. But um, I do see an increase though myself. Um, and another thing too is a lot of these. There's a lot of hoax YouTube um, sites out oh, there yes. that yeah. are responsible for a lot of a lot of things too. But uh, a lot of hoax, and um, people eat it right up. But but um, but I, I think you know I, I really do see an increase in uh, strange things happening lately. Well, one of the things too, and, and we, we brought this up, and I uh, one of the interviews in our book, I believe it was with um, might have been with uh, Richard Freeman from the the Fortean Zoology Institute in England. And the idea is that people didn't want publicity years ago. Now everybody wants to be on TV. Oh, not bigger part. No, it was uh, about the Mothman incidents, and I think it was we were talking with uh, Jeff Wamsley. And people in the, particularly in the Mothman incidents of the 1960s, people were... It felt they had a certain place in society. Many of the experiences took place uh, to lawyers, police officers, doctors, and they were re- uh, reluctant to talk about it. But now everybody wants to be on TV and uh, thinks they can make money with it, and so perhaps that's another reason people are not so reticent about it. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to another one. This is rather long, uh, Ben. It's about British big cats. Uh, and uh, I was. this is also from the Beyond the Darkness show, and I was talking about uh, some of my own experiences uh, in England in 1989 with the uh, Beast of Exmoor, as it was called. So uh, this came from Dan uh, in the UK. Uh, so that's what BBC stands for, Big British Cats. <laughs> Alrighty, so good morning, Paul. Uh, Dan writes to us. I have just listened to your appearance on uh, Beyond the Darkness and wanted to raise a point regarding the British Big Cats. I live in Somerset, England, uh, not far from the stunning Georgian city of Bath. Uh, Where we were in 2012. Yes. Uh, I'm in my late 30s and consider myself more country than city. Uh, the British Isles have a uh, have many historical accounts of black dogs. Uh, these creatures uh, became prevalent or at least known around about the same period, I believe, that we switched from uh, torchlight to lamplight as a means to conquer the dark, as we uh, now do with electric lanterns and flashlights. The black dogs were often sighted near water and were apparently witnessed to uh, jump large distances or up trees. Uh, They were also said to have green eyes in the lamplight and to scream in horrendous fashion. That's horrifying. Uh, Would you say any of these reported attributes sound canine in nature? Uh, Personally, I believe these creatures were felines. Uh, next point to consider is the um, propensity for privilege. Or, I'm sorry, propensity for private uh, menageries in our distant past in the UK. Uh, the uh, Tower of London was originally the royal uh, menagerie. That's true, and uh, was that way for many years. And they were up and down the country, and they were uh, well known for loosing their beasts. Of course, not all of which were either larger predatory in uh, support of the uh, loss of at least one extremely dangerous predator, the Gert or uh, or Gert dog of uh, Ennerdale, I, I suppose. Uh, I'm not really sure what that is. Uh, I, I urge you to check the details of uh, that documented case, but uh, to paraphrase, uh, some idiot managed to loose their, uh, <laughs> their uh, 
Oh, man. Uh, thyla- thylacine. Thylacine, yes. Thylacine, there we go. I yeah. can speak English. Uh, that well, that, actually, that's That ate its way through some sheep and the... And when the local dog, when the local hunts dogs were uh, put to the unfortunate uh, tan- uh, Tasmanian tiger, uh, it did what it uh, does and uh, killed a number of the hounds. And again, uh, have a look at the kinds of hounds that were used at that period. These were big, big dogs that were utterly destroyed. Uh, I put to you that the Dangerous Animals Act only uh, added to the existing population and even displaced native animals uh, that appeared for example in Exmoor in the 80s those cats were not that's the one I was after yeah. yes they were not tame bred uh, they were ex- uh, exhibited or they exhibited all the tenacity and skill of a wild uh, melanistic t- uh, leopard the uh, I have first hand accounts of uh, puma and uh, cubs and lynx type with cubs uh, all within 20 square miles if you are interested I have more I can relay including lots of livestock kills sightings and and all that area that, that literally has uh, year round feline activity all the best Dan okay well thank you Dan very very interesting I tend to agree uh, with just about everything he said here uh, the thylacine is a supposedly extinct uh, animal and and uh, but they, they might there were apparently some in the UK, uh, the menagerie, of course, is a collection of animals, and uh, the the uh, British monarchs at that period, when the Tower of London was built, uh, had lots and lots of uh, animals that were brought by the military from other countries, this sort of thing. But um, the Animals Act he refers to, the Dangerous Animals Act, was passed in 1976. And before that, you could in England you could have all kinds of bizarre animals without any kind of a license or any kind of assurance that they wouldn't get out and do damage. So people would uh, it actually was considered cool to have your own uh, lions, tigers, and bears, that sort of thing. And uh, in '76, they said this is ridiculous, so they, they they made you get a very expensive license and made made you made you prove that you could take care of the animals safely and that they couldn't escape. And of course, rather than bother with that, a lot of people let them go so uh 10 years later here i am in uh england in 89 and uh looking for the beast of exmoor shane's got a picture there you got a camera you can hold it up uh probably not well kind of okay vaguely (laughs) we put pictures of cats on our we have one who lives next door to it (laughs) so in any case i think that uh, dan is absolutely correct however the big dog stories uh, the the uh, the black dog stories from uh, particularly from the british isles they're all over the world but they're very very common uh, very often you hear red eyes and they're bad luck and um it's funny i was uh having dinner with some friends in uh the middle of nowhere in devon uh, upcott was the village and uh, we were coming home from dinner it was dark and uh, this uh, one of the biggest rabbits i ever saw jumped across the uh the road it was just a rabbit but ah the beast of upcott you know <laughs> so it was um the black it's, beast. it's a long long tradition yeah the black beast of exmoor i think th- that's where w- was that from um, monty python monty python and the yeah, holy grail the, the, yeah it was like the the rat the killer rabbit or whatever yeah well that might have been the beast of upcott but you know they get a lot of stuff from uh british tradition and they made fun of it so i think uh, dan is correct uh but i don't really see anything paranormal Obviously, in this, I think it's just a matter of uh, animals coming out and breeding and this sort of thing. They got an awful big list of sightings over there, actually. Well, actually, uh, in Scotland, uh, Felicity the Puma was captured. Uh, So, obviously, they're there. And uh, when I was there, people weren't too sure. But now, now, so we put it in our book, but it's really not 
paranormal, but it is uh, out of place animals, and they, they have uh, out of place animals have a place in cryptozoology. Well, it's a it's a fun study in ecology, if nothing else. It is. Else. It is. It's very very interesting. But some of the black dog sightings may very well have been uh, felines. Mm. You know, if they're running up trees and stuff. So, uh, but anyway, it's an honored uh, part of the rich tapestry of the island story of the British. Uh, now, here we have some some short ones. This is a nice short one from Matt from Singapore. Ah, yes. All the short ones always get the longest answers. Well, probably because there are three of us here. That's true. So, uh, Matt writes to us from Singapore, Why do some people see ghosts and others do not? And why do some people hear ghosts uh, and others see them? Interesting. There's uh, questions within questions. Shane, uh, that's your domain. I missed that one. I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, uh, okay. The the question was, uh, why do some people see ghosts and others do not, and why do some people hear ghosts and others just see them? Shane, you were texting back and forth with that uh, panther. (laughs) Um, Well, um, it usually comes down to, um, like, in a... People that that are seeing like ghosts or whatever, or mostly um, negative ones, are in a certain emotional state of being. Um, so th- they're going to be tuned to to that frequency, or or more likely to connect to these to these things. So it's it's some people ha- are are at that um, frequency, if you will, um, and whereas others are not. But attention to the subject matter too is is very important. So if if you're interested in the paranormal, and you're you're focused on it, um, you're kind of tuned to it, and you're you're going to be more likely to um, to see something because of that. The, these uh, entities are attracted to your attention. They need you to, to pay attention to them. So if you're not a believer, you know, and, and you're you're going to be less likely to to see one. But I do know people that were totally non-believers and, and end up in you know coming across something and seeing something that just blew their whole world up but yeah um, they're, they're the most scared people i've ever seen oh yeah absolutely but i think you know some people are, are interested in it they're focused on it they're they're looking for it um and th- therefore it's going to be drawn to them a little bit uh stronger i mean this is why the ouija board works because it focuses your attention on the on the possibility of an interaction um, and that attention is kind of pulling, will attract these entities in. So if you're, it, it comes down to uh, a state of mind, you know, um, and uh, emotional frequencies too is, is huge. Um, you know, and other people that just, you know, they don't think about this stuff, they never look for it, you know, they're occupied with other things, um, they're going to be less likely to encounter it because they're not attracting these things. Well, I, I might uh, add another level to that uh, in the sense of where you are, now, this is not a matter of a place being haunted or anything, but I'm thinking uh, of the Ohio Valley uh, in uh, the Mothman period. All kinds of people were seeing things who in a million years wouldn't have expected to. Uh, there were UFOs, all kinds of, you know, flap areas, oh, yeah. as we discuss. Uh, and if you look at that area, uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, down to about Louisville, Kentucky, it's, it's known as the, the Rome Troth. Uh, geologically and what this trough is it's an area where a, th- a thing called the Bougere anomaly takes place and this is not paranormal it's entirely scientific however we believe that the paranormal is connected with science and, and mm-hmm. maybe there's some undiscovered science there it's pretty strange and weird but there it is uh, as we say the explanations are harder to believe than the uh, <laughs> some of the phenomena uh, in the, in the, in the uh, Bougere anomaly you, you actually you you would expect gravity to increase as you go closer to the center of the Earth. So if, as you're walking down a hill, 
uh, minuscule as the distance may be, you're actually getting closer to the Earth. But in areas where the Bouger anomaly takes place, like the Rome trough, gravity lessens as you go down toward the center of the Earth or as you go down the hill in certain areas in that vicinity. So that can do funny things with space-time. Uh, you may be in areas where you've got high-tension wires. Th they can also uh, set up electrical fields that, that can uh, affect your mind. Yep. Uh, and they can also affect sp space and time. You know, precisely where that line may be, I don't know. But we find that. So uh, people who live in such areas may be more prone to see or hear paranormal phenomena, i.e. ghosts, things of this kind. So that, that's another possible explanation. Uh, the negative ones where there's interaction, what was traditionally called intelligent hauntings, which I think is nowhere near good enough to explain anything, mm. uh, will um, be uh, more apt to occur perhaps in that area as well. So as we say, ducks have to be lined up Right. in the right way for these things to occur at all. And uh, in areas where you've got these geotechnic anomalies, uh, it may feed the uh, the furnace, so to speak, in, in these things. Uh, ben, you have any thoughts? Oh, I have thoughts. Well, that's good. I can't remember. Oh, I remember what the thought was. Well, I can give a, give a, give a real-world example, I, I suppose. There is no real world. I can give a fake world example. Okay. And uh, in this this fake world, um, my wife and I recently moved. And um, in in the calamity that is anybody who's ever tried to move <laughs> to a new dwelling, um, of course, there's you know you're you're shaking up the the energy that's that's in in your domicile that you're moving out of. So uh, my wife and I we took a, a solid week to just you know fill up boxes and, and get ready to you know get everything out. And um, during this time, she she would hear hear like footsteps and stuff moving around the upstairs. It's a big house, so it's like if you hear something like echoes throughout the rest of the house. So she there was nobody else home with her except the cat, and the cat looked very concerned. And so she just said, "All right, I'm leaving," uh, and went to work. So I came back later that day to to like you know take a shower, go do something else, and um, I was I was uh, I was in the bathroom. Um, I like just walked in there, closed the door, and all of a sudden, like I was by myself. I there was a, a lightning storm on, or like a thunderstorm on the way, and so I could I could see lightning in the distance. And all of a sudden, I hear like really loud pounding footsteps walk right by my door. But I only hear three footsteps, and then that's it, nothing else. And I was like, oh well, maybe it's my brother-in-law. And then I thought about it, and I was like, I definitely would have heard him come in because he's very loud and obnoxious. And I definitely would have heard footsteps. I don't know if you want to say that on the air. <laughs> Well, you just did. All right, I just did. Right. He's a good kid. He's just very loud. And hopefully, he's not listening because he will be pounding through anyway. No, Evan, Evan, Evan's all right. But you know, um, my the the point being is that you know if the if the ducks are lined up, you know, especially if the house that we were previously living in was built on wetlands, so obviously the groundwater tables are off the charts, mm -hmm. and there was also you know a thunderstorm on the way, so there's electricity flying everywhere. Of course, it'll conduct electricity and ex exacerbate existing electromagnetic fields that have already been disturbed through uh, prior events in the house. Of course, stuff's going to happen. So uh, to answer Matt's questions, um, either seeing or hearing these things, uh, you have to, I guess, be an engineer or a metallurgist or a geologist <laughs> or a physicist, and then you can explain the whole <laughs> Well, it's not that simple, but there, uh, the point being, it's a very complex uh, situation, very complex answer, and many possibilities exist. As yeah, there's as so many things that can, you know, aid this thing. You know, environmental factors, like we said, and water, I find huge, is uh, 
and you know and there could be multiple because like these parasites you know we believe them to be life forms and and um, we can't you know usually don't see them they're just acting and and they quite possibly could be operating in a different light spectrum and so when um, with water water can change that they can change light can change frequencies and might make it visible might let us see these things and and, and might bring it in into our level so we can so it's able to interact with us um, but so so uh, to get even deeper what is it that these conditions are permitting to occur uh, in our terminology you would say perhaps that we've got world boundaries where uh, the the the, multi, the multiverse uh, fact, facets are interacting, which we believe is the basis of paranormal experience and activity, and th- these conditions that we've described at length here uh, are actually permitting interaction, overwashes, overlaps, intersects between various parallel worlds. Uh, the parasite chain refers to uh, our interworld uh, creatures because life is tenacious and it is everywhere and every when, uh, even between certain worlds. Uh, that um, th- th- this is essentially how what's going on. And when you when they're partially across the the, the boundary or the brain, as a physicist would say, B R A N E, when they're partially across the brain, and you're seeing you're partially across it too. So we've got all sorts of levels operating here. Uh, we're passing through different worlds at the same time. And then there is the, the, the level of, uh, you might call it ontological, how th- the, the, the nature of being. We are not individuals in the, the sense of islands. We share the lives of all other life forms and really all other things. And we're going to be doing a show uh, in the fall uh, with Professor uh, Matt, uh, Matloff, Greg Matloff, who is a, a, a very respected physicist who's, who's uh, talking about uh, pa- and writing about panpsychism, the sharing of consciousness by all things, even stars, uh, as, as all sharing in consciousness. And what is this? To th- this goes back to the beliefs of our remote ancestors that all things have a spirit. All things are conscious, and any any shaman would tell you that from a native uh, native group. So these are all things we'll be getting into, but uh, all sorts of levels uh, Matt's question has taken us to. So let's take our break. We're listen- you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and our special co-host today, Shane Searway, on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, celebrating 70 years of broadcasting. So congrats to all our colleagues here at ON. And we'll be right back, so stick with us. Hi, Parrot Heads. This is Joe Callahan, your Mater D in the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. One full hour of nothing but Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by attorney Bob Lauder and by the Carew Investment Group. Okay, and welcome back to the show. We're here on an open line show today with uh, Ben, of course, and uh, our uh, co-host, frequent co-host uh, and distinguished colleague, Shane Searway. And uh, let's uh, take our next question, Ben. Oh, we have quite a few questions, so let's go to Sophia from North Smithfield, Rhode Island, right here in our listening area. Mm. Uh, and she writes to us, uh, I get shivers up my back every time you talk about the multiverse with ghosts, aliens, and monsters uh, right next to us instead of being far away. What real danger to us is there 
and how can we protect ourselves? And do you think the government knows about this? Well, I'll start with that. I definitely think the government knows about this, and that's that's what all the big secrecy, I think, is about, because I think there are attempts to study. Wouldn't we love to know uh, where, where does, in Rhode Island, a little tiny state like this, where does Bigfoot come from? I've, I've spoken with members of the National Guard who are on maneuvers in the Great Swamp, as we call it, down in the southern part of Rhode Island. Rhode Island is only 30, 48 miles long and 37 miles wide. And uh, they said they, they've been close enough to Bigfoot to hit him with a rock. You know, in that area. So uh, Rhode Island is, uh, a lot of it's very rural, but it's not that big. Where does Bigfoot come from and go to? Uh, areas like we've been working in Pennsylvania, Shane, you know. Yep. Um, small wood, wood lots, uh, farms, and everybody sees Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Where does he come from? Where does he go? Wouldn't the military like to know that? If it is the military, wouldn't industry like to know? How do you... Where does he go and come from? Uh, the world boundaries goes across world boundaries when he feels like it and all this sort of thing. So yeah, I think the government or, and and maybe even private industry because remember this is all about bucks in the end. Um, wouldn't we love to know how that that occurs? Uh, but as far as um, uh, danger, how come Godzilla doesn't come through and eat New York or Nashville, New Hampshire, or or, or Woonsocket, Rhode Island? You know. Uh, and the answer may be, uh, and uh, Linda Godfrey has uh, expressed an opinion on this too, and several of the people in our, in our most recent book, that there seem to be unwritten rules in a way that uh, that essentially doesn't really happen. However, the nature, the, the conundrum there is that the, the nature of the multiverse, uh, if physicists who believe this are correct, that th- you've got all possibilities, all possible worlds existing, uh, or you wouldn't be able to imagine it, then there must be worlds with Godzilla or something like it uh, that really are real, although not that laws of physics might be different. They'd be far from here. But as far as uh, from our world and our perspective, uh, the dangers are more subtle. Uh, I think it, uh, the, the parasites pushing buttons to make you produce energy they can eat, things of this kind. Uh, you know, when we're putting old human experiences with ghosts and this sort of thing in, in new terms, but nevertheless, these things uh, do occur uh, in our folklore. There are dangers. Uh, but as far as, um, I think the overall rule, and we'll see what the other fellows here will say, the overall rule, I would say, is keep positive energy going. Stick together with, with those you love. If uh, With the nature of the multiverse, even if you don't have anyone, uh, you do somewhere, somewhere, and you, you're always loved, and you're never alone. And I think that is keeping it positive, positive humor, lots, of, lots of positive energy. That's your best protection from anything. Uh, never mind dangers from from th- this realm. So, what do you fellas say, Shane? What do you, let's say you? Um. Well, as far as I mean, do they pose a danger? I mean, I, I just think of one thing: the amount of people that go missing in in the world each year. That's true. It's ridiculous i mean it is and we don't hear much about it on the media but where are they all going i mean it's, it's just not all you know sex trafficking or or whatever or you know uh, children abductions is i mean literally it's i think it's uh, somewhere around eight hundred thousand people a year or something in, in america and this is an old statistic over a hundred thousand people disappear without a trace every year and now once in a while that's deliberate you know you want to get out of your Child support payments or something, right, right, you know, yeah. or uh, but 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 that that would be the exception, and just without a trace. Yeah, and I think that number's gone dramatically higher than that. Yeah, I, yeah. Recently, I, I think it just through the roof, and and 
I mean, it, it's crazy, you know. So uh, no amount of positive thinking. I don't know. So maybe that, that's an angle I hadn't thought of. I just read 8 million children worldwide are reported missing every year. That gets into a question. It's crazy. That What do you think, then? Well, I think many things. Um, that is that is a very real danger. I think that um, I, I think it's kind of um, naive to assume that everything's hunky dory. You know, there's there's sometimes little hiccups and burps in in sort of the, the fabric of of our reality, I suppose. And um, I guess that would be one of them. People just sort of disappearing. That story mm. we always tell about that guy who was like going for a morning jog and he just tripped and just disappeared. Yeah, in front yeah. of uh, the other joggers. Yeah. Which Sometimes is, there are people who disappear and appear in other places. There's some pretty, uh, pretty compelling evidence for that. Mm-hmm. We've heard that, and of course, we, we've known people who have been uh, seen buildings that are there one day, go on the next, things of that kind. So uh, the multiverse does seem to be kind of like Swiss cheese. So um, maybe I should modify what I said. <laughs> the, the the danger of perhaps disappearing uh, is there. Um, there are people who have. T- I remember one fellow from England was telling uh, telling me when I was there that that uh, his this didn't happen to him, but it happened to his brother. Came out of his house in a suburb of London, uh, ordinary subdivision, you know, with a different you know residential area, and it was a different neighborhood. And he was talking to a police officer who um, like didn't recognize street names. Thing. It was it was a different world. And all of a sudden, he went back into his door, and, and everything was back to normal again. So really, really strange. Um, so, yeah, th- there are lots of, of interesting pitfalls and oh, things yeah. like that. People often ask, to take this a step further, how come I can't, you know, can I, like, I wanted to live in this particular place, and life hasn't permitted me to do that. Can I just find a way to step across a world boundary or a brain into a world where I do live there, because in in some place in the multiverse you are what you do if all these possibilities exist. Um, well, how about that Brazilian kid that was into the he he was big time into ufology, and he had all the this this scripture and stuff written in in his room and pictures of aliens and stuff like that, and he just disappeared one day too. Yeah, yeah, that, that just happened recently. There are ways to do it deliberately. Yeah, um, I don't want to speculate about it, but. Apparently, it does happen, but I think uh, the the problem with humanity is that we have this this illusion that we can control what happens to us. Yes, and we don't. Um, I mean, you could well, I, well, you can, but I think well, you you can together. I think. Not yeah, but the idea of of I am a god, I can control everything. Oh that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's in- incredibly um, arrogant for one thing. Arrogant and dangerous. Yes. So I mean, the idea that if you think, all right, well, if I just will it hard enough, I can just pop into a different world well i mean it's not like you have like a compass you can't just sort of like appear and go where you please without like you know years and years and decades and decades of of you know practice yeah you can't just be like one day like eh, i really don't like doing this radio show i'm just gonna go pop into a world where i don't do a radio show that's not really how it works but i mean it could but okay. again, first day of school, we don't really know as, as as much as we like to think we know. When I lived in San Antonio, Texas, a long, long time ago, there was there was a road crew working um, off the side of the road, uh, cutting trees or something. But 
two guys that were working side by side, they, they were there one second, next minute, gone. They, they were missing for two weeks, and uh, they were seen walking out of the woods in the same spot. They had no recollection. To them, no, no time had passed. Hmm. Um, yeah. But they had been missing for two weeks. Well, this gets into the, uh, the entire notion of uh, alien abductions, as they're called. And we all know Travis Walton. And he's going to be at, uh, I believe, the Exeter Conference this year, the Exeter UFO Festival in September, uh, Liberty Weekend, uh, which is personally certainly one of my favorite events of the year. It's just so much fun. And uh, Travis, uh, Travis's whole story, uh, back in the 70s, he was in Arizona in, on a crew, a uh, logging crew, and he um, rather um, inadvisedly approached this apparently a craft hovering over the trees, and everybody, all the rest of the crew is telling him not to. And he um, was knocked back by some kind of a force and uh, was missing for several days and um, showed up totally naked on a country road far from here. And the whole story uh, from uh, hypnotism, and he passed lie detector tests on this, uh, was apparently some sort of um, classic abduction with the medical stuff and all this. Uh, today he believes uh, that they were trying to help him fearing he was injured after whatever he ran into and he was thrown back about 10 feet. But that's that's his opinion today. But nevertheless, uh, that's a classic example. But he returned, uh, and he did not feel that a lot of time had passed. So all these things are, are possibilities, very intriguing, and sometimes very frightening mm. as well. Yes. So so I, I guess the second part to um, Sophie's, uh, Sophia's question is how can we protect ourselves, especially from, from stuff like this, and I, I, guess, yeah. I guess really being... You know, um, mindful of your surroundings. You know, Keep mindful of your surroundings. Yeah, I think that's 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 a good step. It's you know, like for, with terrorism. I mean, just you're, you're mindful of your surroundings. Where, make sure you know where the exits are, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and and it's, uh, um, I think I, I still think positive, living a positive life. Yes, is is good. But you never know. Maybe if you're going to cro- if you're crossing an area of an intersect, uh, we you know in Pennsylvania. Uh, when Shane and I have been there, and Ben's coming with the system, he's going to do his thing this time. Uh, they would describe the area where you had your Bigfoot sighting. Uh, they even have it outlined uh, as an area where there, there have been time slips, things of this kind. This is in, in a clearing in the woods uh, where they would, the family would camp. And uh, they even have things hanging there just to sort of mark uh, this area and the presumably uh, an area where you could walk in and disappear or something of this kind. Well, that, that hasn't happened. But... Uh, another another level of this, uh, which has occurred to me several times, how do we know we haven't disappeared? Perhaps if you walk across a world boundary into a world that's similar to ours, and you, you notice, people will often notice this, sometimes you get up and things are just a little bit different. Um, the question arises, have you died during the night and your consciousness is just where you already are in other parallel lives and you, you don't notice mm. And maybe your funeral is going on, which undoubtedly it is in some parallel reality. How do you know? Uh, how do we know that when we walked up that 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 little uh, path between those trees where this occurred in Pennsylvania, that we didn't disappear? Right. But we we didn't know it. But everybody who was there saw it. That, that's a possibility too. So maybe this is happening all the time, and we ourselves just don't notice it. Yeah. Because the worlds we go to are so similar, and the people are similar, but sometimes they're not. So th- these are all very intriguing possibilities, perhaps. And I would say, like, you know, she asks how, how to protect herself, and, and I find whether, um, you know, there's people that, um, you know, say that they're, they're, they're abductees or whatever from aliens, and then dealing with these parasitic entity ghosts, you know, in quotations, um, 
that we deal with, these life forms um, that are negative entities that, that are afflicting people, um, but they both share a similar quality, um, and they both feed off of fear and, and attracted by fear. So mm. um, don't or anger or yeah. annoyance. Or, yeah. So don't yeah anger fear. I found that out to my cost. Yeah, I find fear is like number one attention to them and and fear um, and living a positive life. Um, like like Paul said. Um, will will protect you these things are attracted by attention and fear and in negativity type of situations um lowered emotional frequencies and that that claims to be true with certain aliens too not not just these parasitic entities which may very well be alien we know they're a life form and no, they're, um, they're, they're not human and they're, they're right. different exactly so they're alien in a broad sense so when i say you know don't go don't go give these things attention don't seek them out i mean it's kind of what we do but um we have a broader understanding of, of the mechanics of what allows these things to connect connect with us and attach themselves to us so uh we're not bothered by that uh, but you you have to lack fear um of that because if, if you walk around you know you know a, a haunted house say and and you know there's a negative entity there and, and you're afraid you're real afraid and say you're in a vulnerable state of emotional being that the parasite that's in there attached to somebody else just might attach to you for that reason mm-hmm. um but so you know you, you gotta you gotta keep that in mind positivity no attention to the subject and no fear because you are in control yeah. and people don't understand that all right yeah uh, but that takes discipline, and oh, yeah. it's not always easy. So, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's hard yeah. for some people. Yeah, it's a day-to-day thing for us. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, what, if you have any comments on that, or we have another question. Maybe we oh, have another question. we have questions. So we, we're we going to move on, because we're, we're sort of running out of time. So here's here's something that we, we, have, we probably have time to answer. So Craig uh, from Nowhere writes to us, uh, I have heard you say that fewer... He disappeared. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> He said, "I've heard you. I've heard you say that fewer UFOs and actual metal craft, and uh, are there are fewer of them, I should say. So there are fewer UFOs that are actual metal craft, and more of them that are just balls of light. Why is this happening, and what do you think it means?" Well, I can tell you what Ted Phillips thinks. Ted Phillips has been on the show not recently, but uh, over the years uh, several times. Uh, he is from Missouri, and he has the greatest, I think, database of. Um, UFO landing evidence uh, of anybody, you know, thousands of cases, and you know, he records whether there are uh, landing pad marks or things of this kind, uh, radiation, all this business in the area. Uh, so Ted's opinion of this, and he's the one who brought it up uh, the, for, for the first time on the show, was that perhaps the technology of whatever species is doing this has advanced from the 1940s when you had supposedly crashes and you know uh, metallic or skin like uh, surfaces on the on these vehicles this sort of thing uh, and maybe it has gone uh, to a more almost ethereal kind of a thing with balls of light uh, or and or uh, he believes that in particular areas uh, like Marley woods that he is investigating in that area that's like Pennsylvania we don't tell anybody where that is I don't know where it is anyway because we're not working on that uh, he believes that these uh, light balls as he calls them uh, or orbs the ghost type people might call them are actually probes uh, that are keeping an eye on us or certain areas or this sort of thing uh, so uh, that that's his opinion technology uh, and or uh, the probes coming in to kind of keep an eye on things mm. that is 
leads into several other areas of speculation. Uh, there, ha- there are some rather dreary opinions that we may be um, a sort of cattle kind of race or species created specifically for food, for things we may be calling, I guess, parasites, things of this sort, um, and that they would naturally keep an eye on us. I find that rather depressing. Uh, however, um, be that as it may, certainly parasites are real, and you could call them aliens. But as far as the craft, if they even were craft, there are opinions, too, that people see them in their own ways. There, there are cases where people see a, a certain kind of craft. Some people see a craft, some people see a ball of light. So maybe we bring to the experience what we expect. Um, Linda Godfrey points out that she was um, writing her book, uh, uh, Weird Wisconsin, as she lives in Wisconsin. And she went down, and the manager of a hotel took her down to the basement, and she said, just, tur- just turn off the light, and she saw a ball of light. But she said other people have gone down there, and they call him Basement Billy. They think it's a ghost, and they've actually seen a human figure. So it kind of maybe depends on what you bring to the experience. Mm. So maybe that's part of the explanation for why people see UFOs in different ways. Yeah, I think um, like I, I think of this too, um, as far as the light and the versus metal and craft and stuff. And it could be different forms of technology or whatever. But um, we know that there's there's invisible light. There's light that we cannot see, um, and this is this is fact. Um, we see a small amount of uh, our spectrum of what we can see is very limited um, to to actual what's out there, and so um, how these things appear could be different technology um, making them a lot, you know who knows they might even, well we know the Santilli telescope um, is seeing entities flying around in the sky that you can't see with the naked eye yeah it's a special concave um, you know uh, lens or whatever. Um, and they're seeing things swimming around in the skies all over the place. These and they, they use ultraviolet light or something. It's some yeah, it's yeah. some kind of. I don't know what they what they made the telescope for, but all I know is that they're they're thinking they started seeing all this weird activity. It, I know sky. it wasn't intended, but no. that, that was a, just a byproduct of, of this particular technology. Right. It was. It was. They built the telescope for something totally different, and they end up seeing you know all these these pictures of them. I mean, if you look it up, Santilli Telescope. On, on a Google search or whatever, you'll, you'll see there's pictures out there and um, of these like entity type things, you know, floating around in the sky, and that, that these are operating I- I- within invisible light. And mm-hmm. so, um, the technology of these U- the, these UFOs might be different, you know, spectrums or whatever, you know. So sometimes we see them as metal, sometimes we might not even see them at all. They yeah. could be outside of our spectrum. But I know the ones I saw last September were um, definitely metal looking. They were very shiny uh, silver type. Chrome-looking um, cra- uh, oval crafts, like disc-shaped crafts, yeah. um, all the same. Before the size. Air Force showed up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, but I've also seen you know balls of light, you know, as well, many mm-hmm. times, many, many times. Well, as we say, and Ben, you might want to amplify this. The, the again, what you bring to the experience, the, the context in which you see these things, may determine what label you put on them. In other words, if you see the ball of light in your house, aha, a ghost. You see it in the sky or out over a field, aha, UFO, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So may- maybe we're the problem in the sense of how to define these things. It's really our fault. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Any thoughts, Ben? Um, well, I mean, I, I'm hmm, trying to think of how to articulate this. I guess the interesting thing is how it's changed 
so quickly because if you recall maybe less than a decade ago the people were still sending pictures taking pictures of metallic craft and now it seems like that's that's like on the outs no one really sees those anymore well, there were a few but not a few but not not lot. as not as, like it used to as be. prevalent and i think that's partially due to culture and yeah. i think um you know when, when people expect to see see aliens if you call them that or let's Extraterrestrials. People people expect to see a certain thing. You know, if you, if you look at um, modern films that have to deal with space or whatever, you see um, more and more um, ethereal type things rather than the usual f- like like metallic or flesh and, and, and blood alien type things. Or you know, the whole the whole concept of it has moved on from something that's you know okay they're here to experiment on us to something that's been spiritualized almost. So if people who are experiencing these things, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to recall um, group that 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 we've dealt not we we haven't dealt with them, but we we know of them that essentially that essentially says that these are like that you know extraterrestrials are spiritual beings. So why wouldn't their craft be ethereal? You know, you, right, right. you see what I'm, see what well, I'm trying to say. What do you mean say? by ethereal? Coming back and forth, but from I mean aesthetically. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. I'm not talking about their. I'm not even going to begin to attempt to describe like physics of ethereal nature. I mean aesthetically. Mm, okay. I'm, I'm talking purely based on aesthetics. Okay. So I mean, when's the last time within the last I don't know five years that you've heard of a craft actually landing on the ground with legs? Not lately. So when's when's the last time you heard of of um you know so like p- people talking about their experiences with I don't know abductions and it, it turns into some sort of weird spiritual thing. Yeah, well you're right. Uh, what did the Romans see? Flying shields. What did uh, Pharaoh Amenhotep the fourth in Egypt allegedly see? The sun disc. Ezekiel. Ezekiel and all this and so maybe it depends on the culture. But we don't have any more time. We had a lot of announcements so. Great discussion, fellas. Let's um, let's get to our announcements here. First of all, Shane, tell us about where people can find out more about you, your website, etc. No, uh, website's trueghost.com, and uh, my contact information is there. My email address, my phone number uh, is is there. You can reach me there. Um, yeah, so give me a give me a shout. Okay. <laughs> our newest <laughs> our newest new book, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, is available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. And we will have copies available for sale at all our forthcoming events, of which there are quite a few. Indeed. So if you cannot make it uh, to any of our events and you'd still like an autographed uh, copy of any of our books, you can get them at our online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is in most bookstores. And if they don't have it, they can get it. Uh, It's also available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the other online retailers. Uh, And again, you can get an autographed copy at BehindTheParanormal.com. And uh, our presentation, or that would be our next presentation, I should say, uh, will be on Thursday, July 27th, Prospect Senior Center in uh, Prospect, Connecticut, at 1 p.m. And this is open to the public. Uh, call Lucy at 203-758-5300 to register. Again, that's 203-758-5300 to register. 
Uh, Labor Day weekend, September 3rd and 4th, will once again find us at the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire, a great annual event that benefits local children's charities and is sponsored by the local Kiwanis Club there. Uh, our subject on Saturday will be Flap Areas, UFOs, and the Paranormal on Steroids. On Sunday, for the second year in a row, we'll do our live show from the Exeter Town Hall with a panel of the speakers, including Travis Walton of Fire in the Sky fame, uh, the great Kathleen Martin and Denise Stoner and more. Uh, find out more at ExeterUFOFestival.org. Uh, there is another UFO conference being contemplated for late September in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, and we'll let you know as soon as we have any details on that. So on Saturday, September 30th, uh, we'll talk about strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts in western Connecticut and beyond at the Brandywine Living Center in Litchfield, Connecticut, heart of the Litchfield Triangle. And you can RSVP to Nanette. The number is 860-567-9500. Again, that's 860-567-9500. Uh, and then on October 6th and 7th, we'll be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts, uh, one of our favorite events of the year. Our subject will be the fur flies, Bigfoot, and UFOs. And the following week, we'll speak at the Western Connecticut UFO co- uh, Conference at the Danbury Connecticut Library, along with Linda Zimmerman, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and other legendary researchers. On Saturday, October 28th at 1 p.m., we'll speak at the Portsmouth Public Library in New Hampshire. We need to move, move to New Hampshire, Ben. Uh, finally, Fish. November 4th to 6th, we'll appear at the Perry Unity Conference in Felsmere, Florida. So watch for more information on that. Uh, watch BehindTheParanormal.com or our show Facebook page for updates. You can also check out our YouTube channel, Behind the Paranormal Case Files, which hopefully soon we can get back to doing productions for. Exactly. Uh, now, um, we are now in our... Oh, this is... Uh, well, uh, why don't you tell people about this, Ben? Uh, I will milestone here so in our things. broadcast history. So meanwhile, you can find out more about our shows and uh, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, where you'll find over 700 free podcasts of uh, both of our shows on ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And uh, many of you will be happy to know that the website and uh, NewEnglandGhosts.com are being completely redesigned with some new features and better interfaces. So we are now in our 10th year on the air, and next Sunday, July 16th, will be our 700th show. If the numbers don't add up, it's because we were on twice a week when we were on CBS. So <laughs> that's how the show's mounted up. Uh, that'll be a two-hour special here next week on ON 1240, beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we'll host a panel of three experts on the current state of paranormal research. Shane uh, will be back with us in studio here. Uh, we always look forward to that. Uh, he'll represent the ghost and poltergeist uh, research. Uh, the great Mark D'Antonio, the astronomer, will be with us from Arizona to represent the UFO field. And the esteemed Linda Godfrey, whom we've mentioned during the show, uh, will be with us from Wisconsin to represent the field of cryptozoology. So don't miss that. It'll be really great. The show will be a real phenomenon, so don't miss it. Get your questions to us via the Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno Facebook page or email them to Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. Okay. So, um, any further comments, gents? Um, looking forward to next week. Uh, is, is that the comment gonna... you want me to make? <laughs> yes, of course. Well, no, I just uh, we're not going to tell you when we're going to Pennsylvania, but we hope to come back with uh, more. Every time we go, there's some interesting experiences. We're going to be checking that out. So anyway, uh, we'll let you know about that. But we leave you this afternoon with a thought from our good friend, college professor and folklore expert, Wahaba Hadja al 
don't try and spell it, uh, from our new book, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. Quote, we live amidst an embarrassingly glorious exuberance of life. We're still learning about ourselves, and we have so much to learn about the other beings with whom we share this planet. Unquote. And I think that's that just about sums up everything we've talked about today Yeah. with all the mysteries that we deal with. So anyway, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Sarway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.